0: Welcome to StrikeDeck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by StrikeDeck and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career is primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. Today we'll be talking to Carrie Wong, the Director of Client Success at LearnUp. Carrie joined LearnUp as employee number six and made the transition from being a community manager to being a CSM to being a director. And today, she's going to share her journey and offer some of the best practices to our listeners who might be in a similar situation. Carrie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about LearnUp?
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Kristen, for having me here. I'm excited to be on this podcast today. So I... We'll start with something that will give a little context as to why I ended up in the startup world, and that's because I'm a product of the Silicon Valley. So coming from a household where I had a parent who was an engineer and a parent who was an artist, I was always surrounded by technology and opportunities to be creative, and that just naturally lent itself towards the, the tech world. Okay. So I gravitated towards tech and towards startups, and I didn't really know where I wanted to end up. So, you know, I thought, hey, why don't I get an internship in college? So I interned at Yelp, and that was kind of my first entrance into the world. Hardcore. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was (laughs) it was intense, and I learned a lot about marketing there and uh, working on the ground, and it was just a really amazing experience. And that good experience really lent itself. um, After undergrad, I decided to join a real-life startup literally out in a garage, garage startup, Um, and that kind of just solidified my interest. I thought it was really exciting to build something from scratch, Um, and I was just laser focused on working in tech, so I went to London. I did my master's degree at the London School of Economics and specialized in media and technology. Okay. And once I got out of my degree, I came to the Silicon Valley and was just, I want to get into the startup world. So I joined AngelList, which you know AngelList. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great startup uh, site that started as a funding site, but then I use that as a research tool for my company. Oh, do you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's a great yeah tool. It's a great yeah.
1: it's a great site, and it's kind of turned into this recruitment tool as well. Okay, where startups can go and not only look for funding, but they can look for startup talent, and that's actually how I got into LearnUp. Um, because Alexis Ringwald, who is our co-founder, reached out to me uh, and asked me if I wanted to come in to interview. Okay. And I was really, really intrigued with both the mission, but more so that there was a woman who had founded this company, which is pretty rare in the tech industry. It is, and it's also
0: very exciting, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was just,
1: yeah, it was exactly the right fit for me and what I was looking for at that point. So I came in, you know, it was great to have a woman in leadership. And really, the mission spoke to me mm-hmm. because there, at that time, the market was still pretty bad. This was back in 2012 that she mm-hmm. founded the company. Uh, and there was this disconnect between, you know, there were lots of actually open jobs at the time, but there was still such high unemployment. And we were trying to understand, well, where is the disconnect happening between those who graduate from you know, high school or from college and who aren't able to get these jobs? So that really founded the basis for our, for our company because okay. there's that skills gap. Managers are, you know, they are reporting that everyone's unqualified who comes in for their entry level roles, uh-huh. and the job seekers are, you know, kind of confused. What does this manager want from me? Why are they saying I'm unqualified right. for an entry level role when entry level is supposed to not have uh, any requirements for experience? <laughs> um, so that's this,
0: incredibly frustrating. It's, so I remember when I was young and I was going out like in college and I was trying to get part-time work and that was always the case. It was like retail and they're like, we want an entry-level person. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> and they're like, mm, no,
1: you have no experience. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, entry-level requires six months of experience. Yeah, it, there's definitely yeah. that disconnect um, and that's de- really the problem that we were trying to solve. And how we're doing that is we're partnering with some of the biggest companies in America, Kind of figuring out, hey, what's your biggest problems? Um, you can't fill your roles. People are turning over, and so really, we're taking a human approach to job preparation and job training. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just like a normal job board. We right. really give insight into what is the job going to be like. What does the manager expect of me? What do I have to do to be successful in this role? And then we assign them a personal job coach. And I think this is really our differentiating factor, is we want to provide that human touch, we want to provide the encouragement that people may not be getting from, um, you know, at home, or maybe they didn't have a parent or a mentor that ever gave them that career advice. Mm -hmm. So we really want to have this proxy for that mentor role online in a scalable way so that we can reach and impact many, many people's lives.
0: That's exciting, that's a really cool mission. So let's kind of shift gears and talk about your career path. <laughs> That's kind sure. of a nice, nice segue there. Um, so uh, you were one of the first employees at LearnUp, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is always really interesting. I've worked at small startups as well. Uh, can you give the listeners an idea of what that was like? So things like how many customers did you have when you joined and what was the job like? Yeah, absolutely. So we had very few customers. I think at the
1: point that I joined, we had two customers, if you can <laughs> even call them that because they weren't paying us. Okay. <laughs> um, but the reason why they were so important to us is because they were our testing ground okay. and they really allowed us to have the opportunity to build tools and pilot with them, figure okay. out what works, what didn't work, and then go and invest more time obviously in the things that worked. So what's exciting about working for a startup though, and I can bucket this into three different areas, is first of all, the experience that you get at a okay. startup is, as you know, can be all over the place. So you get to wear tons of hats. You really get to see how a business grows from the ground up. So, you know, when you're trying to create something out of nothing, that is so hard. Going yeah. from zero to one is a huge challenge. So to be able to see someone, see a problem. In society, like unemployment, right, and create a solution from scratch is pretty amazing, and uh, it can compress many years of experience that you would get at a larger company into just a few years.
0: Yeah, so
1: that's that's definitely. one of the
0: reasons I love startups. <laughs> you get to you get to see a lot of things. Yeah,
1: yeah, so it's and it's so true, because you you really have a hand and a foot in every part of the business, and you're working with engineers day to day, and you're working with salespeople. And, right. Um, so it's not just like you're siloed into one area. You can mm-hmm. kind of become the Jane of all trades, yeah, uh, so to speak. Um, and the impact that you get. That would be kind of the second realm that I find most exciting about mm-hmm. working for a startup is you get to see the impact that one person can have on the greater business. And, okay. and especially in the early days, everyone's relying on each other. And yeah. it's just a really fun, collaborative environment. And then something, you know, that it depends on your personality, but it can be exciting for some and not so exciting for others is really the risk factor of working for
0: a startup. (laughs) I mean,
1: statistically, you're more likely than not to fail, and that kind of impending failure can be scary at times. Uh But You have to have guts. Yeah, it's just you have to be going and willing to take risks. To know that you're going to fail, be comfortable with failure, Uh Um, but it can be really motivating and rewarding as well because when you're forced to perform under the high pressure of that any mistake you could make may drastically impact the business, you you have to be confident that you're going to go in the right direction, you can come back from the failures that you might have, um, and you can really amaze yourself with how much you can actually accomplish and how much you can do in a situation like that.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. So what's the not exciting stuff about working for a startup? Definitely the risk of failure
1: is yeah, <laughs> not exciting. Oh,
0: so, <laughs> I mean, It's like a double-edged sword. It's
1: a, it is a double-edged sword. It really, I, I have to say, it depends on who the person is because yeah. there are some people who are just not meant for the world of startups. Yeah. And, um, you know, as long as they're willing to put in the extra work and the extra effort and kind of get over their fears, I think they can you know, fit in and, Uh um, find success that way. But one other thing that, you know, can be not so exciting is this unknown where you're trying to suss out your product market fit. Uh And there's going to be moments when you have to scrap everything and just start from scratch. Yeah. And (laughs) it's going to be difficult when you're in that position because you've worked hard to build something and to really take a moment to face, you know, face the facts and Mm -hmm. realize, you know what, actually we're working in the wrong direction, I think takes a lot of courage, can be hard, Uh you can't do it, um, but it's really necessary in order for you to move forward into an area that um, is gonna be better in the long run. Right. Something specific about LearnUp Uh that I find very challenging is the fact that we're an innovative company. And I think pretty much any startup you find is Sorry to use this buzzword, but trying to disrupt their industry. Yeah. So, well, now, hopefully
0: they're all trying to be innovative. I mean, <laughs> that's we kind of hope, the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We hope. Everyone yeah. wants to be innovative. Yeah. But when you're an HR startup, which we are, yeah. So we work primarily with HR companies, by definition, their job is to avoid risk. Yeah. And to a, a, not avoid innovation, but I think generally humans are kind of averse to change. And one of the biggest challenges that we find, at least, you know, in our area that we're trying to innovate, is getting HR companies and HR teams to really see the light of this new process, mm-hmm. um, get over, you know, any misgivings that they may have about making a change, and really get them to see those benefits. But you know, at the same time that that's a challenge and can be a struggle, it's what makes it so rewarding is to kind of overcome someone's preconceived notions about what HR is supposed to look like yeah, and get them to
0: get on board with your idea. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the heart of what I wanted to ask you about today, which is uh, your career path. So there have been a lot of CSMs who've asked me uh, recently about how they can move from being a CSM to being the director of customer success. It's not always an easy transition to make if you're trying to do it intentionally. Um, so, I would love for you to describe your career path and how you moved into the director role.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a linear path, that's yeah. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> um, and you know, I mentioned this earlier, but really I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was, mm-hmm. it didn't come in to learn up thinking, you know, I want to be a director, I wanted to manage a team. I really was just compelled by the fact that I wanted to work at a company that I was passionate about Uh and work with people that I respect and when you have that good foundation then it becomes so much easier to really get invested in what you're working on and move up from there. So where I started was as community manager And another thing about startups is that the role that you come in with is probably not going to be the role.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. That it ends up.
1: So, you know, while I had been thinking I was just going to be kind of a support person, my role really ended up being support. It ended up being business development. It ended up being, um, you know, just a weird mix of marketing also. So it really was not a uh, a linear move. But big lesson that I learned is mostly from my mom because she w- worked in the fashion industry for a little bit and she always told me the story about how the first you know role that you move into when you graduate from fashion school is not fashion designer it's yeah. <laughs> you're picking up pins and that's exactly what I ended up doing I was cold calling actually oh and, wow which so is sort
0: of more of a sales role almost yes actually yeah. it was business, business
1: development yeah. my role was to reach out to hiring managers and get them to use our tool.
0: Okay. For free, even. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, and you know, at the time, no one likes cold calling. It's not fun. No. But you learn so much. You, I, like, I learned how to run a phone call and make a point in 30 seconds or less. Otherwise, they're going to hang up on you. Right. So there are a lot of valuable lessons that you can get, not only from just doing the dirty work, but knowing your product inside and out. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I really looked back on and realized i learned from that moment was just putting in the hard work, uh, immersing myself into the business, understanding the ins and outs of product, support, sales, every aspect of the business, because you know another one of my mom's favorite sayings is, there's no such thing as luck, luck is only preparation, meeting, opportunity. So
0: you had a good role
1: model. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, both my friends. You brought her up a bunch of times.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, no, I mean they're they gave fantastic advice because I think it's really easy when you come into a role to kind of want to skip the line. Right. You're like, oh well I came out of school and I have this degree and I, you know, deserve to be in a leading role. But that's not true. These days you have to start from the ground up, and you have to put in the hard work in order to get ahead down the line. So right. that was really what I took away from it, uh, is that I you know, put in the time, and when the opportunity came to move into, at that moment, the customer success manager role,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I had all the fundamentals, fundamentals that I needed to move into that role. Great. And the right mentality. So where I landed was a customer success manager for about one year, And then when we were just growing massively, we had a great sales team. They were bringing in tons of new business. We just had a need, bandwidth-wise. I was completely running out of bandwidth, Mm -hmm. um, working very long hours. And we had this opening for director. And what I did at that point was I was not expecting to also become director. And we considered bringing in someone with outside experience who had been in this role for 10 years 15 years right but at the end of the day I just realized that my CEO at that point had a lot of faith in me and she, all I had to do was raise my hand and say hey I want to do this job and she said okay
0: great oh you're so lucky That's great. <laughs> that's really really great I think yeah. you know not everybody has that opportunity and it's really good that you felt confident enough and prepared enough that you raised your hand and took it Cause that's a great opportunity yeah I
1: mean someone who's pretty early on in their career it can be it can be scary sometimes because uh-huh. you wonder you know am I really ready but I think you just have to go and dive in because that's the only way you're ever going to make it at a leadership level is by mm-hmm. being willing to say yeah I want to step up and I'm gonna make the conscious choice to
0: elevate my game that's exciting So since you've been with LearnUp, have you seen the customer success um, approach shift since it sounds like it's grown a lot while (laughs) you've been there and then um, the team dynamic has changed it sounds like a lot since you started as well. You've got a bigger group and you have different roles and so, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah absolutely. I mean
1: not only has our customer success shifted it's basically was founded yeah. during the time I was there, because <laughs> we didn't have any customers. And really the, the catalyst for this was the fact that our sales, our head of sales, um, was bringing in new business. Mm-hmm. And we realized six months after we, we finished piloting with one of the largest retailers, that, that at the end of that pilot, we were saying to ourselves, oh wait, we don't know what metrics are most important to this client. Right. Oh, so we don't have the data to go deliver a report to them about even if we knew what metrics we had. And we had this epiphany about, wow, okay, yeah, it's not just a bringing in new business. It's about making sure they're seeing value. And that's when the idea of building out a customer success team really, really came up. And like I mentioned earlier, when I, because I'd done all the preparation, when we had that epiphany, mm-hmm. I was ready to move into
0: that, that role and kind of found our customer success organization. So you've been been driving not only the customer success organization from the very beginning but really kind of helping to influence the direction of the product and the offering, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially,
1: so when I've had to hire for this role, something that I talk about is that it's the most cross-functional role Mm -hmm. that you'll have at a company or at least our company because you get to handle pretty much, you work with sales on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, you're implementing projects, you're making sure that those accounts um, renew, so you're right. renewals as well, and then part of your job is interacting with the support team. It's getting okay. feedback from customers, it's having regular sessions with our product team, so our product knows exactly what the feedback is that we're hearing, and they can help use that to direct um, where they want to go with right. their development.
0: So when you moved into leadership, it, it was when LearnUp was really ready to hire. And so over the past year, as you've been in the director role, um, what have you learned about hiring? I, you know, I, I love to talk to newer leaders about how they approach that. Um, and I guess another way to put this question is, what do you wish someone had told you before you hired your first employee? <sighs> so many things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: I always knew hiring was the most important job that you're going to do, but... After having had to do it for a couple years now, I've realized that that's so, so true. Because the true success from your organization comes from having the right team in place. Right. I think it, Steve Jobs, who said a small team of A players can run circle, circles around uh, a giant team of B and C yeah. players. Yes, so that is absolutely true, especially at a startup. Um, and you know, throwing more people at a problem is not gonna help solve it. You have to have the right people in place. So, what I learned, first of all, is trust your gut, because that is gonna tell you more than anything a resume can tell you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wish I had listened to my gut more on a couple occasions. But if there is any voice in the back of your head that's, you know, saying something, you know, nagging you about how this person might influence your culture or might influence your team, listen to, listen to that voice. And I had
0: to, to learn that one the hard way too. Like I, I've learned that when it's a yellow flag in my head, it's probably really a red flag and that I really <laughs> should not hire that person. Yeah. But yes, I had a few bad hires in the beginning too. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. And, and, You know, I think it's also really important as a leader to be honest with yourself if you haven't made the right hire, yeah, and not try to force it. If it's not the right fit, it's not going to be better for your business. It's not going to be better for that person in the long term, too. Um, But something that I look for, you know, I mean, trusting your gut is one thing, but what do you actually look for in a hire? Mm -hmm. And for me, work ethic is the most important thing because you might have two candidates, one has all of the boxes that you're looking for checked, Um, but maybe they have sort of an attitude problem. Uh And I would always choose a second person who may not have all of the right experience but has a great work work ethic because Mm -hmm. I know that they're gonna be willing to put in the time, they're willing to do the research. They'll learn. They'll learn the craft. It's this learn first approach that Mm -hmm. I find so, so, so important in my team um, and just having the right mentality, especially when they approach problems, because in a startup, there's gonna be a lot of problems, yeah. there will be fires, and you have to have someone who's gonna approach that um, with a positive attitude and with a willingness to you know, overcome any obstacle. Also, knowing your limitations when you hire is important. So don't be afraid to hire someone with a complimentary skill set to you. Okay. So you know, if I know that I'm not great at Excel, I'm going to look for someone who maybe has more data analytics skills, um, someone who can actually bring something new to your team and can really complement
0: what you're working on and hire smart people. Okay, cool. So I would love to know, how do you manage processes for your team? Do you have any tools that you like to use or is there some sort of project management methodology that you prefer? Asana. Asana (laughs) is
1: a task management platform that I find really Exciting for me, because I'm kind of this OCD person that really likes having lists of everything that I need to do. And I've just set that expectation with my team to use Asana so I have one place that I can go for for all of their work. So I know that their weekly tasks are gonna be in there, their client tasks are gonna be in there. And it's also the tool that they use across teams. So we've chose one that we knew the engineers would use and that our training development team would use so that we can all be on the same platform communicating And there can be one source of truth.
0: Yeah. One thing we should probably let the listeners know is that your team, your CSM team is very heavily implementation focused Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's one of the reasons why Asana makes so much sense for your group. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. But they do cover a lot of different areas. So there is
1: implementation. So Asana makes the most sense for that. But when we work for the sales team, which we do all the time, right. we use Salesforce. Okay. And that's a really great tool and that's our one source of truth for the sales team. okay. And we've kind of adapted our strategy to put all the information where we know other people are gonna easily be able to access it because we are so in the middle of um, the, the inner workings of so many different teams that we have to just go where where they go (laughs) yeah
0: well I think one of the things when you're working really closely with the sales group which is what customer success team should be doing (laughs) um, is you you really um, need to be able to communicate effectively with them and if you don't have a tool like Salesforce it can be just a lot of everybody calling each other up or you know, talking mm-hmm. to each other on email and trying to get information shared. And so I think you guys are taking a good approach to do it that way where you're trying to get the information into your system so that everyone can kind of go look stuff up for themselves. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't
1: always that way, you know? Um, <laughs> but now that well, we've implemented it. that's part of it, growing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is part of growing. Yeah. But, you know, the, the biggest part is that just put a process in place uh-huh. um, and the rest should
0: fall into place. Yeah. So as you've um, moved into the director role, what do you think the most successful new initiative or process that has been that you've introduced and why do you think it works so well? Well, jumping off that exact same issue,
1: which I think is a universal problem in a lot of companies and startups that have customer success teams is the differentiation between sales responsibilities and customer success responsibilities. Yes,
0: that is very common. Yes, yes. (laughs) Almost every one of my clients faces that issue. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, the new initiative that we were trying to do, and we've been, you know, it's an ongoing process. It's not perfect, but it's creating swim lanes. So defining the roles and responsibilities of each team. So, um, you know, it's a good problem to have when everyone's so motivated that they want to jump in and they want to help out. that's great it comes from a good place (laughs) yeah it comes from a good place but you know in practice sometimes it can be it can do more harm than good right so i think the first step there is really to get all of the issues out on the table bring all the teams together have open lines of communication because if you can't agree with um, the problem or the situation that's going on you're never going to be able to implement a solution for it so that was where we started first And, you know, from that conversation, I've seen the CSMs just feel more and more empowered, Mm -hmm. not only to own the relationships that they have with clients, but to be more proactive in how they're solving problems. And of course they know to bring in the sales team anytime that they have any sort of problem. And we have outlined escalation paths so that they, you know, the sales team can feel really confident that the customer success manager has got it, they're on top of it, and if they need be, we'll bring them in.
0: I think that's really important. I think it helps build trust between the two groups. Yes. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely an exercise in trust building. Yeah. um, And and honesty and getting every team's buy-in is really the place to start.
0: Yeah. So tell me, how do you get your team to follow new processes? (laughs) Not everybody loves change.
1: No. (laughs) No, definitely not. Uh, I think, you know, it's kind of what I just mentioned. You have to start by listening. So identify that there's a problem first. Listen to uh, each side, Um, you know, what's not working well, what is working so that you know what Mm -hmm. to keep and you know what you should be updating. Um, Get agreement that it's an important issue because if your teams are not bought into why you need a new process to begin with, they're not Mm going to adopt it and uh, it's just gonna be easier for everyone, more smooth to get their buy-in first. Yeah. Uh, Once you identified what the issue is, you should clearly outline um, what your process, new process will be. And I've done that by, you know, working with the product team or working with the sales team, learning what their processes are and seeing how we can kind of seamlessly fit into what they're already working on. Right. And then, you know, just from a managerial perspective, I always want my expectations to be extremely clear with my team so they know what they have to do and when and the most important step in new processes is keep them accountable. Follow up, make sure that what you've outlined is actually being upheld and maintained and that it's working and if it's not working then go back in and tweak something uh, until you get something that that works really smoothly.
0: What are are the best checkpoints that you find with your team so you can hold them accountable? Do you do that in one-on-one meetings or do you have reports set up for that or some sort of combination? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on the process that okay. you're working on. So if it's
1: something like a new Salesforce implementation process, uh-huh. then there's gonna be reporting that you can set up and I okay. can deliver to my inbox and I can check on those weekly. Otherwise, it's gonna be in one-on-ones. Okay. And I have a one-on-one with every direct report once a week. So Perfect, okay. That's my check-in point where I'm always asking consistently, hey, how are things new going, with, uh, going with that new process? or how are things going working with sales okay. whatever it is I make note of it and always bring it up until it feels like it's resolved months later
0: Okay yeah it it seems like when I've done that with my teams it usually takes about a month to get things <laughs> you know that's what they say about habits it takes about a month to get a habit established and so yeah mm-hmm. I think you know, when you keep checking in every week for a month, and then it starts to become natural, then you can kind of drop it out of your topics of conversation for your one-on-one, yes. which is nice because it's not always fun to follow up on that. Hey, did yeah. you do that? Did you do that? Did you do that? Yes. Um, so, what are you still working on as a leader? So, you're a relatively new leader, um, mm-hmm. and you know, leader. Even leaders that have been leading teams for decades continue to learn. The best leaders always continue yes. to learn. So. What are you doing to push yourself to improve your leadership skills?
1: Yeah, I mean, my yeah, my plight to improve myself as a leader will never end. There is only so much that I got from being, like, water polo team captain. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> not too much, and That's really. a great experience,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was okay, but it's is a completely different um, yeah. ballgame, so to speak. Um, and it's really, the biggest thing that I'm struggling with is moving away from this vocational work, day to day, knowing every detail and ins and outs of every account and moving away into managerial work, Uh which is just as hard, if not harder to get into and to learn and master. So right now I'm still working on taking a step back and, um, you know, transitioning is really hard, giving up the reins and delegating Mm -hmm. and I, I think delegating while it's scary as a new manager yeah. it's gonna be your best friend in the long term yes um and keep r- telling
0: yourself that yes <laughs> <laughs> because it's true it just takes a while to feel like that yes yeah. and it feels
1: yeah i mean i have to say when i first was like oh i have a team that i can give work to and yeah you'll find that actually they're eager if you hired the right team they want to jump in there and they want to help and they want to learn and contribute something so it's going to help you as a manager to take a little bit off your workload, which I'm sure is, you know, very full plate, and help your team get involved and stay involved in the direction of where you're bringing your, your team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also, being confident, so something I struggled with a lot at the beginning because I felt, you know, I was pretty early on in my career is, am I right for this leadership role? And I think anyone who moves into a leadership role who hasn't been in one probably will feel that crisis, even yeah. if they don't wanna make it known to their boss or their boss's boss. Um, <laughs> so I'm working on this every day, that it's you know, okay to not know every detail because you're, at least one person in your company put you in that role because they believed in your ability to lead a team and right. to manage a team. And they have confidence in you so you should absolutely have confidence in yourself to take a step back and be a strategist and show up and contribute yeah. your ideas. And you know, it ta- it takes a lot of work and it takes time, but um, over time you can really feel the contribution that you can make over overall.
0: I had a, um, I had a boss um, in the early in my career who I looked up to, and he later he, later after we both weren't working together anymore and we became friends. He told me that whole time I was working for him, he felt like an imposter. And he he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe somebody put me in a vice president role. I have no business being in this role. And he, you would never know that working for him, Mm -hmm. but but it's it's interesting to me that i think that's something all new leaders go through because mm-hmm. i remember i went through that too where i was like gosh i don't know if i'm totally qualified for this yet but <laughs> i'm going to go for it and um yep. yeah so it always stuck with me that story he told me that he felt like an impostor the whole time he was doing it because mm-hmm. i really looked up to him and so it it surprised me yeah yeah and i think
1: yeah along the lines of being confident is always sharing your vision too. Yeah. So, you know, my boss would always tell me, you need to improve your executive communication. And I didn't really know what that meant <laughs> until some someday it clicked, got yeah. some good advice. Uh, and it clicked that when you're a leader of your, your department or your organization, you need to take every opportunity to share your vision and your plan and kind of create that North Star for your team and, you know, across teams, so that they know exactly what you're working towards, and you can—they know when you've reached that reach that goal, mm-hmm. um, and kind of be the PR person yeah. for your <laughs> team, um, and make sure that everyone is on the same page
0: about where you're moving towards. That's that's great advice. So my final question for you about your career path is: What advice do you have for a CSM who's moved into a management or leadership role recently? Hmm. I have two prongs of advice okay. for new leaders
1: and some background on what I learned in my first couple years is when you're, you know, in the day-to-day and you're mm-hmm. in the weeds every day, you're kind of keep your work to yourself, or at least I did. You know, I'm not... There's two styles of communicators to me, people who are just gonna over-communicate. Like, yes, I received that email. Yes, I'm working on it. But I was never really that type of communicator. So I was more inward. I wanted to do my work, get my work done, and then go, ta-da, this is what I accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when you're a leader, you can't do that. You can't be inward with your communication. You have to think about what's going on with your direct reports, but you also have to manage up a lot more as well. So when you're working with your team, develop your team, so support them and inspire them and challenge them and keep them accountable to right. the things that you're challenging them on. Um, you know, you really need to, you can't just give them a fish. You have to teach them how to fish, right. otherwise <laughs> they'll never be self-sustaining and it'll make more work for you in the long run too. Right. And when you take the time to invest in your team and develop them, they'll trust you a whole lot more too. Mm-hmm. And this aspect of trust is so, so important Especially when you have to go to bat for your team, mm-hmm. because at a you know at a startup there's there is tension. I think at most companies, but you really feel it when you're working. You sit next to someone on a different team, that there's going to be tension between product, and there's going to be tension between. Oh yeah, and I've sale. been to
0: your office. I've seen it. <laughs> There's a lot of people what? sitting right next to each yes. other. <laughs> yes, I, I mean you're yeah. in, you're in close quarters, yeah. and yeah, I can um, see how that would cause some friction.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. You, you know, the product team, they want to do, they want to build what they want to build. And the customer success team is like, no, but our customers want this. Mm-hmm. Go build this. So that's the natural progression of things. Yeah. There's always going to be um, conflict of, you know, what direction that we want to move in. But what really is going to build the most trust with your team is go to bat for them and help them fight their battles. Because if they know that you have their back and that you're going to stick up for them and help solve their pro- problems, that's going to make your life easier as a manager down the line, um, and really, you have to take ownership and take responsibility, especially if something's gone wrong. Which yeah. things will go wrong, but you know, being able to step in and say, "Hey, I own this. I have this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to let it happen again." You know, just don't make the same mistake twice, and you'll be good as a yeah. leader. To the same vein, if you also have to manage up, so. Something that I'm still working on and my advice for new leaders is bring your voice to the table and stick up for what you believe in. You know, like I said, they wouldn't have put you in this role or you wouldn't be in that role if they didn't believe you had something really valuable to bring to the table. Right. Um, and the goal is not to get a hundred percent agreement. It's, it's not, you have to just make your perspective known and mm-hmm. that's really the value, especially in CS. Sometimes it feels like you're this middle child and you're trying yeah. to like, you know, make sales happy, make product happy, but you have to stick up also for the voice of the customer right? and bring that to the table. You are the voice
0: of the customer. You are, yes, yeah. that's
1: exactly right. You are the voice of the customer, and you don't do anyone any good by staying silent. So be strategic and bring your voice to the table.
0: Okay. So my last question is something that I ask all of our guests. I like hearing about what different leaders are seeing in the field of customer success. So what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why?
1: This is an interesting question because I am leading both the client success teams and the support teams. Okay. So I get to see kind of two sides of the coin because the teams that we work with on a project level are more of the corporate teams and then I also get to see the user and support side as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And what I've noticed in both sides is that everyone's moving towards more of a self-service model. And something that we're investing heavily in is intelligent technology. Okay. So these are you know, moving away from systems just of recording information to uh, a system that actually intelligently tracks data, can give you tons of insights about your customers. Mm-hmm. It really helps your business get more metrics-driven mm-hmm. uh, and results-focused. So what does this mean? These are tools like uh, in Salesforce, there's reports that you can put together that can help you track trends in your data and really help you identify um, areas of risk, Mm -hmm. as well as there's a lot of customer success technology out there that's doing the same thing, like tracking health of your clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really this intelligence that we wanna focus on from Mm -hmm. a support perspective. We wanna build a tool that helps our job seekers with their career coaching and what that would do, it's more of like a, a bot. So if anyone uses Slack, uh, you, you know of Slack bot. And right. you know yeah. that um, there's always this intelligent person, I guess person, it's computer out there, yeah. but it feels like a person. Algorithm. something so that's yeah. the point, right? <laughs> you know, your success should help your users help themselves yeah. by identifying areas of help that they might need before they even realize that they need
0: it. Right, very cool. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for joining me today and for your perspective and advice on moving from being a CSM to being a director at a tech startup. I'm sure this has been really helpful for many of our listeners. Um, and for anyone who's interested in finding out more about LearnUp and how they are helping people find work across the U.S., you can visit their website at www.learnup.com. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about StrikeDeck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. Finally, thanks for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and feel free to share this podcast with your friends. And we hope you'll join us next time. Oh,